good to be back together again, is it not? Yeah. Alex, your cheering earlier wasn't that great, but it wasn't your fault. It was all these people who aren't excited. But we're glad you're here. And we know you are excited. We just don't like to make noise. Okay. I trust you had a great summer. Yes? Okay, so tell me, raise your hand if you left Southern California. Okay, just a hand in the air. You got out of, you got out of Dodge. Good, okay. Raise your hand if you left the state of California. Okay, very good. Raise your hand if you left the United States of America. Okay, we've got a few. We've got a few. Stephanie, where'd you go? Jordan. <coughs> Jordan, cool. Mm -hmm. And where else? New Zealand. N New Zealand. Nice. Okay, where else? So, uh, China. You went to China. Do you know how it's spelled? <laughs> you can help. You can help Alex later. That's great. Uh, well, I I had a great summer. Uh, my wife Tracy and I, wherever she disappeared to, we went on three different houseboat trips, wakeboarding, wake surfing, tubing. Just had a blast with our family. We also got to go to Hawaii this summer. I was working, but we had a really good time together. We hiked together. We got to play in the ocean. We actually, the four of us, we hired an instructor and went surfing in Waikiki. It was like the actual, the quintessential, you know. The, this, have you ever been to Waikiki? If you haven't, it's just you've seen pictures and videos, but it's just this long, open beach, and the waves are about this big, and they roll on forever. They're super easy to catch, and we had, what was our guy's name? I forget his name. I don't remember either, but he was awesome. Yeah, he, he looked like he was made out of leather, and I'd been there for <laughs> 40 years. But we had so much fun uh, together, and our family, just, we had a chance to relax and get away, and I, I hope you did as well, just to recharge the batteries, and to slow down a little bit, and to kind of get back on track in different areas. The simple reality is that we're back, right? <clears throat> we're here, you made it, summer is over. Labor Day is coming, gone. You cannot wear white anymore. Great job for most of you, good, okay. Um, life's back to normal, school's in session. Unless you are at UCR, you're not at UCR. Me? Yes. U of R. U of R. Okay, anybody <laughs> in the UC system? You haven't started yet. Jamie has how much longer? Like three more weeks. It's so awesome. But everybody else is back in school. You can all get on her. Um, we're back on the grind, right? Long weeks and short weekends. Your friends all left you. It's starting to get dark earlier. Look, it's dark out right now. It's not even 8 o'clock. So sad. Homework has come back with a fury. Raise your hand if you've got midterms already starting to pop up on the schedule. Anybody? You do. Another Megan does. That's okay. You can get that done. <laughs> well, um, all that to say, we're back together. I'm excited to be with you. If you're new with us, if maybe you started coming this summer, I just wanted to say welcome. We're glad to have you. My name is Sean. You happen to be in my house. This stick belongs to me. We are glad <laughs> to be here. Um, and during the school year, we meet here every Friday night. Okay? So... That's what, this is what we do in this house. We sing together, we pray together, we gather around the Word of God, and we do our best to help each other to become more like Jesus Christ. So that's, if you, if you were to ask, what is the one reason that you gather? What is the reason that we have a college ministry that meets every week? This is it. And maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but this is it for everybody. We want to help college students come to know Jesus Christ. That's our simple purpose statement. It, it really envelops everything that we do. It's our main goal. Uh, to say it a different way, we exist to help you as you seek to have a relationship with God. 
to help explain what that means. What does the Bible say about who God is, about who you are, about your past, your present, your future, where you came from, why you're here, and where are you going? The Bible answers all those questions, and they're all wrapped up uh, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so you'll hear more about that if you're new with us over the coming days and weeks. But uh, everything we do is wrapped around that main goal of helping you to come to know Jesus Christ. And so I'm glad you're here, all of you. And it's my hope, our hope as a staff, that you'd find a home here in this group. Many of you already have. I know that because it's hard to get you to leave at the end of the night. But that's okay. Um, for, for those of you who are newer, not necessarily new, but newer, it might be a little difficult to build relationships. It might mean that you have to step out of your comfort zone a little bit, introduce yourself to some people, but just know there are some great people in this room, and this is a great community. We'd love for you to be part of it. Nobody here is perfect. Nobody has life figured out. We are just trying to live together, build relationships with each other as we pursue knowing Christ. Okay, So that's just kind of my introduction. Now, in order to introduce our series for the fall and where we're going this fall in terms of our teaching topic, I'm going to give it to you. It's just very straightforward. And it's one word, okay? Our entire theme for this fall can be summarized in the following word. You ready? Priority. Priority. That's right. We're going to spend the majority of our time together this semester examining your priority in life. Understanding what is most important to you. In fact, I looked at the dictionary to define the word priority, and I didn't like what I found, so I made up my own definition. <laughs> I define the word priority as this, the most important parts of your life. That's what your priorities are, right? The most important aspect or dimension of your life. And we know that, that's pretty straightforward. Priorities are priorities. Each one of you has priorities. Each one of you has things in your life that you value, things that you're pursuing. You have dreams and goals and hopes. And, and, and you have something for today that you're working on and hopefully something in the future as well. And so this fall, we want to help you with the word of God to sort out what your priorities should look like, okay? Make sure that you're pursuing the right things. Now let's just take a minute right here at the beginning of this entire thing to identify <laughs> what your priorities are, okay? I want you to go ahead on your pieces of paper with your pen and write out your top five or so priorities right there on your piece of paper. Now, if I were you, I'd cover them up so the pe person next to you can't cheat. All right, I might even write it in code so the people around you don't know what you're writing. I'm good with that. All right, do it some way where you feel comfortable writing them down, but I want you to put those top five priorities on your sheet of paper. If you don't have a pen like Bart, you can just put them in your mind. Okay? You don't even know who Bart is because I'm not looking at him. But he's here. Okay, so put those in your mind. Top five priorities right there on your piece of paper. I'm just going to wait. Like, I don't think I have five priorities. You already done, James? Nice. Put one down. Girls, 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 girls. Okay. All right. We got enough? Everybody's got something there? Okay, make sure you remember what your code was, okay? All right. I, I want you to go around, just speak something on your list. Doesn't have to be number one. Just these will all be pretty general. A lot of them will be. We're gonna find a couple of oddballs in here. But just just give me one. Somebody. Family. Family, great, thank you, Megan. Yes, sir, Arthur. Eat. 
to eat. <laughs> what word was he trying to describe in the game? <laughs> what was blueberry. It? blueberry. Blueberry. It's what they make muffins out of. <laughs> that was so good. Vanilla? No, no, they're not vanilla muffins. Okay. Good. Eating. Okay, what else? Ministry. Ministry. Work. Work, yes. School. Discipleship. Discipleship, very good. Association. Association. <laughs> we'll have to figure that out. It's very important. It's very important to David. Okay. Okay, what else? What? Oh, rest. I like rest. Yes, the Lord gave us rest. A whole day of rest in the week. We just don't take it. Relationships. Is there anything you'd like to tell us? Oh, that was you. Sorry, I thought that was you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see right here. They're married. How many years? How many years? Twelve. Twelve years. That's what I'm talking about. Very good. All right, we could add a bunch of other things, right? We could put politics on there for some of you crazies, hobbies of different sorts, health, diet, your gluten intake, sports, <laughs> finding a wife or a husband, getting rich, being famous, getting friends, moving out of your parents' basement, all sorts of things. If your parents have a basement, you have problems, okay? Because, like in the East Coast, that'd be okay, but here there's no reason to have a basement unless they want to chain their children in there. But the list will go on. And I, I, wanna, I wanna challenge what you've written on that piece of paper, because more than likely, your, your uh, mental process or what you have on paper looks something like this. Number one, God. Number two, family. Number three, friends. For those of you who have friends, they're high on your list. Number four, school or work, depending on how you're feeling about either one of those events right now. And then if we went beyond that, you might put down country or church or good grooming or Star Wars or your pet or something like that, right? But let me challenge what you've got on that piece of paper because most of you, most of you, my guess, have God as number one on your list. And I want you to cross that off because I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong. I don't think God belongs in the number one spot. I believe that whole process of laying out your priorities in number fashion is a misnomer. All of your life, when you've sat down to evaluate what your priorities are, you've always done it in a list. God is first, family second, and then so on down. You don't have to, you don't have to nod, but I know I'm right because I did the same thing. But. God should not be at the top of the list. Now, before you say this is ridiculous, I thought it was a Bible study, um, let me explain. In fact, I want to do it by walking through a verse in the New Testament in the book of Colossians. So open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. And I want to explain to you why this idea of putting God at the top of the list it doesn't actually make sense. Okay, in a way it does, obviously, and in a way it really does not. And we're just going to read the second half of Colossians 1.18 together. I'm going to give you where we're going with this theme of priority and setting right priorities in your life and in your heart. So Colossians 1.18, the second half of the verse, you guys all there, it says this. So that, you guys see that section? So that he himself, speaking of Christ, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Christ is to be where? What's the verse? What's it say? He's what? First place. Okay, so Sean, why did you have me cross him off my list? Because here's why. Where is he supposed to be first place? Look back at the verse. 
In what? In everything. Now, you may think I'm splitting hairs here, but I don't really think so. Because I think instead of writing God, family, friends on your list, I think it makes more sense to put whatever your priorities are in the order and to say family slash Christ as first. Work slash Christ is first place. Or say this way, you write your priority list out or put it like in a pie and Jesus is part of all of it. If he's not first above these other things, the, the goal of the Christian life is that Christ in you, he would live out through you in every area of your life. That he would come to have first place in what? In everything. That Christ would be first in every part of your life. So go ahead and think about that list you have on that sheet of paper. Think about your schoolwork. Is Christ really first in your schoolwork? Is Christ really first in your relationships? Is Christ really first when you go to work? Is Christ really first in your family? That's, that's what we're going to get at this semester is, is saying this, that Christ should be first across every aspect of your life because that's what the scripture teaches us. Does it not? That's the heart of every true Christian, to see Jesus Christ exalted in your life, to live for him, to love him, to walk with him, that he would be your greatest passion and your, your highest goal. We desire to obey him as Christians, to be near him, to be like him, to know him. He becomes our greatest prize and possession. Now, I just want to walk you through. This is just an introduction. It's going to be short. So I want to walk you through a, a couple passages as an introduction to get into this. So open to Matthew 13, 44. And I just want to show you this idea in a couple other verses in the, in the New Testament. And we're going to spend a little bit of time in Colossians 1, but not that much. Famous last words. Matthew 13, <laughs> verse 44. I want you to see this in your Bibles. That's why I'm asking you to turn there. Matthew 13, 44. This is Jesus. He's teaching parabolically. That's not like a mathematical equation, but in parables, okay? Uh, and he says this in Matthew 13, 44, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. He goes, he finds this treasure, so he hides it. And then it says, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has so he can buy that field. 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. What's the simple principle? Salvation, the kingdom of heaven. And I would distill it down to say Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the pearl of great price. Jesus Christ is the treasure hidden in the field that is worth abandoning every part of your life and everything you have in order to have him. That's what he teaches. Now flip to Matthew 6, verse 33. A couple pages over. Matthew 6, verse 33. And this is coming on the, on the heels of talking about not worrying that God is going to provide all your needs and that you don't need to be worried about having enough to survive. But he says in Matthew 6, 33, Jesus speaking, but seek first. Talking about first place. And here we're saying seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, food, shelter, and clothing will be added to you first pursuit of your life beyond everything else is Christ. I won't make you turn here, but Jeremiah 9, 23, you'll never find it, says this, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. That's the people at school that are like, yeah, I'm pretty smart. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. That's the dude at the gym that I saw this morning that I was, even I was like, 
wow, he looks good. Like, you know, it's, let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches. Listen, but let him who boasts, boasts of this, that he understands and knows me, God says, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things. What are you going to boast in? You're going to boast in your grades. You're going to boast in your job, your bank account, your looks. What are you boasting in? He says here, boast in the fact that you know God. That you know God. That God is the priority level above all those other pursuits. One final verse, Philippians 3.7. You can turn there. Philippians 3.7. This is Paul speaking. And he says in Philippians 3.7, But whatever things were gained to me, all the things I pursue in this life. Think of all that you're pursuing right now. These things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Everything that I thought this world stood for, that I wanted, the lust of the flesh, the eyes, the boastful pride of life, all the things that I dove into in my sinfulness, he says what? They are lost. They're garbage. Verse 8, more than that, I count all things to be lost. All things, when I compare it to or in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Wow. Well, he wants to know Christ. And I'm telling you, back to our original theme, Jesus is to be first place in everything, in every part of your life, in every pursuit, in all of your priorities. Christ is to be number one. And we could go on and on showing that Christ is all, that he is our life, that he's the object of our affection and our worship and the very object of our lives. Friends, that's Christianity 101. If you don't know what it means to be a Christian, it's somebody that loves Jesus Christ and desires to honor and serve him. And so Colossians 1.18, this is our verse for the fall. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Guys, you can get that little tattoo on the inside of your bicep. Girls, you can put it on the inside of your foot. Wherever you got to do it, okay? This is it. That he himself would come to have first place in everything. Staple to your brains. That's where we're going. And we're going to be working hard to evaluate different aspects of our lives to see is Jesus Christ first in these different areas. And I'll tell you more about that at the end. Okay, well, quick story, and I'm going to dive into the actual message. That's a long introduction. There was a famous Russian novelist in the 1940s who journeyed to Utah, and he was there because he wanted to collect butterflies. He has a big butterfly moth collection, and in Utah, he's going looking for moths and butterflies. As the story goes, one evening at dusk, he returned from his day's excursion, saying that he was in hot pursuit of a butterfly near Bear Gulch. Okay, Bear, B-E-A-R, Bear B-E-A-R Gulch, and he heard someone groaning, here, here's the expression, most piteously down by the stream. Did you stop, he was asked? Mm. No, I had to get the butterfly. Well, the next day they found the corpse of an old man discovered in what is now renamed Dead Man's Gulch. And I would just say this, too often our lives become centered around the wrong priorities, right? We get a little confused sometimes and off-center uh, in where we're actually pursuing and what we're going after. And so our goal this semester is just to evaluate, is Christ truly in our hearts and is he truly first in every area? Now, you might be thinking, why? Why should I put Christ first? Because pursuing girls, it's a pretty good option for me. I like that as number one, if you really put down the true priorities. I like money. 
That's, that's up there. I really want security, romance, and a relationship, ladies. That's pretty high on my list. May not have made your sheet of paper. I want acceptance and to feel loved and comfortable and be part of a group of people that, that appreciates me for who I am. I want to be a better athlete. I want to look better. All these things are the things that didn't make that list that are actually the priorities of your heart. And so you might be thinking, why should I put Christ first? What is it about Jesus Christ that he should be in that preeminent spot? And I want to just walk through, go back to Colossians 1. I want to walk through eight reasons. Eight of them. Eight reasons, okay? <laughs> eight as quickly as we can of why Jesus Christ should be first in your life. So if you're taking notes, I might title this message, The Reasons Christ Should Be First Place in Every Aspect of Your Life. How in the world do we get through eight points? I have no idea, but we're going to go really quick. Colossians chapter 1, this is verses 13 through 18. Paul gives us eight reasons why Christ should come to have first place in your life in every area. Number one, Christ should be first because Jesus is your Savior. Jesus is your Savior. Look at verse 13. It says, For he, that is the Father, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Who's that? The beloved Son? It's talking about Jesus Christ. In whom, now speaking of Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I don't have time to bog down on any of these particular points, but that word for redemption means to buy something back. It was as if you were a slave, held down uh, with a debt that you couldn't pay, and Jesus came and said, I'll pay the debt for you. I will take care of that. If for us, it was the price of our sin that we could never pay. And in his death, he wiped all of our sins away. And that's why it says right there that we have forgiveness of sins. We have the thing that was in between us and God that we could never have a relationship with him because our sin is so bad and we can't get rid of it no matter how hard we try, no matter how many good deeds we do. Jesus came and redeemed us, bought us back, and took our sin and moved it out of the way so we could have a relationship with him. Eternal wrath has been paid. Hell has been averted. Salvation has come not because we deserved it, but because God is loving and gracious. He rescued us. And so Jesus is our Savior, friend. Because of that, He should be first place in your life. Right? Number two. Christ should be first place because He is God. Because He's God. That's verse 15. It says He is the image of the invisible God. In the Greek, that word for image is the word icon. How do you spell icon, Alex? <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get there. It's not going to happen. But, but, but it means the exact representation, okay? Uh, in, in the old days, it was when you would take a coin and you would stamp something with the coin. That's how they made coins. They would, they would, there would be an, an image in the mold and it would come down onto the coin and it would stamp the image. I, I went to India when I was 17. Amazing trip, the same city that Aaron and, um, and Abby, sorry, yeah, are part of. It's a little place called Pune. Okay? Can you all say that? Pune. Very nice. Okay. So there I was in Pune in high school, crazy place. I kid you not, there are cows walking everywhere. They're in the middle of the street, they come into your driveway, they're all over the place. All right, I remember riding on the back of a bike and they're sacred animals, but I slapped one on the rear end as we came down the thing. It was great. Uh, but anyway, it, one of the best trips of my life, the Lord used it in incredible ways. But I found a coin when I was there, this thick coin that was made out of some kind of weird metal. I don't even know what it was. I, I don't remember the exact detail, but I remember it was over a thousand years old. Like, 
I gave it to my sister because she collects coins. And I was in high school about 40 years ago, so I don't have that good of a memory. But, but what I remember about it was it had the picture of a guy that was either like a Caesar or maybe like a, um, almost like a Persian um, uh, figure. But it was the monarch or the dictator, the Caesar, whatever. And it was, his face was stamped into there, right? Uh, an exact representation of this man. And really, that's the idea here of the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ is the exact representation. That's the, what the Greek is trying to get at. He is the exact representation, the verse says, of who? Of the invisible God. He is the physical form of the invisible God. If I could say it a different way, and I can help you with this in other <coughs> passages of Scripture, Jesus Christ, even though he is man, he is God. 100% man, 100% God. Jesus is God. That's what this is telling us. So I'm not going to go any farther today except to say this. The reason that Christ should be first in your life is because he is God. He's the almighty God. And therefore, as Savior and as God, he should be first place. Number three, because Jesus is preeminent. He is preeminent. Do you know what that word means? It means that he is above all. Now we see that in verse 15 where it says that he is the firstborn of all creation. Now it doesn't mean where it says there, you see that in verse 15? The firstborn of all creation. Some believe that he was, what does that mean? That he was created, that he's the brother of Satan, all these different things. That's not the case. This is a reference not to his position, excuse me, not to chronology like he was the first one born, but to his position. He is the highest rank. He is the first order. He has the right of inheritance over all creation. And if you want to get more on that, you can talk to Professor Ike. He'll walk you through that. But we're going to move on. Jesus is the preeminent one. Number four, Jesus is creator. Jesus is creator. Verse 16, for by him, by Jesus Christ, all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You've always had this picture in your mind of God the Father speaking, let there be light, right? And there's an aspect of that that's true, but it's one of those mysteries of the Trinity. Because in Hebrews 1-2, it says this, In these last days, he, God the Father has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, watch this, through whom also he made the world. Now let me show you in John chapter 1. You guys know where the, the gospel of John is? Go there. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I just, just one verse that you can see that Jesus Christ is creator. Okay? John 1, verse 1. In the beginning, you guys know this verse, was the word, and the word, speaking of Christ, was with God, and the word was God. Again, Jesus is God. Verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. Check out verse 3. And all things came into being through him. Huh. It's interesting. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. What is this verse telling us? Jesus Christ made it all. He is your creator. He is your creator. The text says everything that's in heaven, that's the sky above us, the vast expanse of space, every planet, every moon. And Genesis 1.14 on day 3, it says that he created the sun and the moon, and he put them up in the sky. And then it says this little phrase at the end of the verse, almost like it's just hanging on. Oh, and he made the stars also. And I'm always, I can't get past that verse, Genesis 1.14, because it's almost like an afterthought that God spun the, the billions of galaxies up there. Like, oh, yeah, 
and I made the stars. And Psalm 8 talks about the fact that the heavens are the work of his fingers, almost as if he's finger painting. So cool. He created the heavens. He created everything on earth, right? Every animal, every bird, every plant, every person. All that you see is his handiwork and came from his creative power. He made all things visible and invisible back in Colossians 1.15, or 1.16, excuse me. He, that includes invisible, the laws of nature, like gravity, the reason you're not floating out of your seat right now. He, in, he created E equals MC squared. Huh? See that? He created the laws of entropy. He made the angels, the invisible things, the demons. All are the things that he made, every creature in the heavenly realm. He's creator over all. Look at that last phrase back in Colossians 1. Are you guys still there? Go back there. Colossians 1.16. And this is like, this is, this, this is amazing, this phrase. Because he says, all things have been created through him. We've talked about that, right? He made it all. But look at that last phrase. And all things have been created for him. For him. He is the end of creation. He is the purpose for which everything was made. The reason that you have life and breath is for Christ. You live not to please yourself, not to satisfy your own desires, not to live to make much of yourself, but you live, look at that verse, for him. You were made for him. Why should you put Christ as first place in everything? Because he is your creator and everything that was made, including you, is for him. Maybe you don't understand that and you're not a Christian yet and this is all new to you and that's good. The, what this is telling you is that the God of this universe who made everything built you to serve him and have a relationship with him. But unfortunately, every one of us has sinned or broken his perfect law. And like I said earlier, there's a divide between us and him. And it's only through the, the death of Christ on a cross because of his great love for us that he would take our sin and pay for it and get that out of the way so we can have a relationship with him. So why should Christ be first place in your life? Because this universe belongs to him. The birds sing to his glory. The sun rises and sets on his clock. The largest creature of the sea is under his control. And like Luke 19.40 says, that if man is quiet and ceases to declare his praise, it says, then the very stones will cry out the glory of God. It's all for him. And so your priority, my friend, should be to extol and declare the greatness of Christ. Now, number five. Not only is Christ creator Christ is also eternal look at verse 17 it says he is before all things he is before all things pretty straightforward Jesus is forever before the universe existed he was here before time was created he existed he is the all eternal one uh, Hebrews 13 8 says it very simply Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever He's eternal. Number six. And Jesus is the sustainer. Does it, you understand that word, sustainer? He, he's the one that holds everything together. In fact, that's what verse 17 says. Do you see it there? It says that in him, in Christ, all things hold together. All things hold together. The whole world. We could say the old song. He has the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole. Right? He's the force that keeps this universe in working order. At his command, the universe sprung into existence, and at his command, the universe will be dissolved with intense heat, 2 Peter 3 talks about. Now, I took a business trip a couple years ago to the beautiful island of Hawaii, okay? I took a doctor there with me, one of my customers, and we were staying down in the Waikiki area, 
but he wanted to go up to the North Shore. Has anybody ever been to Oahu? Just a show of hands. Rosebud has. Okay, you guys have. Cool. So there we are, and we decide he wants to go to the North Shore. I'm thinking, what a great opportunity to build a relationship with my client, this doctor, nice guy. And so I said, sure. So we get in the car, and we start driving up there. It's like an hour to get up there, just about, and an hour to get back. And we get up there, and uh, we went because it was... I don't know what time of year it was. It was the fall, and that's when the swell starts to pick up on the North Shore. And so Waimea Bay, where they run the eddy, if you've ever heard of that, and pipeline, all the things in the North Shore, uh, the waves were going off. It was unbelievable. In the summer, it's literally like it's a lake. They'll park a sailboat out in the bay. But in the wintertime, it, the waves are just ginormous. And uh, I've been there before where, where I step out on the beach and I'm going to just sit down and watch. And I remember this lifeguard came running by to go rescue a person who was dying. And he goes, hey, you, don't get in the water today because I'm white and uh, would die out there. But anyway, so there we are. We get all the way up there. And uh, it was good. We had some good conversation on the way up. We're talking about work and we're talking about things. And I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, he's a little socially awkward. Okay, this guy. And, uh, and so that became more and more apparent the longer we were together because I consider myself to be a decent conversationalist, right? I'm somewhat of a people person. I talk for a living. So I'm pretty good at keeping things going. But after like three hours with this guy, my list of topics was getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And we, we talked through just about everything, right? Um, we talked about his family. Oh yeah, he's not married. Uh, we talked about his kids. Oh yeah, he doesn't have any kids. Uh, we talked about work and we talked about surgery and everything I could think of in those topics to keep this thing going. So then I moved over to his hobbies, which we found out pretty soon that he flies planes. I know nothing about flying an airplane, okay? Then we moved over to his other hobby, rock climbing. Oh yeah, look at this. Do you think I'm climbing rocks out there on the weekends? I don't have a clue what's going on. So I'm trying everything I can to get this going. Never once. Not one time did this man suggest a single topic for us to talk about. Not once did he say, hey, Sean, tell me about this in your life. It was all one-sided, me keeping this thing going for three hours. And finally, about 15 minutes from the hotel on the way back, I realized, I mean, I'm literally beyond empty. I got nothing left. I have zero things to talk about. And I got frustrated because I'm like, I'm done. He's done nothing to contribute. I've done everything to make this go. And so I just thought, I'm going to sit here in the passenger seat he was driving. And if he wants to come up with a conversation and topic, he can. <laughs> and so we sat there in silence for 15 minutes until we got back to the hotel. Not a word. Oh, it was so painful. Now, this is a really rough transition back. <laughs> Bear with this. The only thing holding that conversation together was the little bit of skill of relationship that I have to keep it moving. On a, a scale far grander than that is the fact that Jesus Christ is the only thing keeping this universe together. He holds all of it together, all of it together by the word of his power. He spoke once in Genesis chapter one and said, let there be light, let there be dry land, let there be all these different things. And it, sprang into existence. He will speak again. Look at 2 Peter 3, 3, 6, 3, 7 right in there. He will speak again, and guess what happens? The universe will come undone. 
all the things holding it together. You can call it nuclear power. You can say, well, yeah, but you don't understand because in the middle of an atom, you've got these positive forces and then the electron, that's what's holding it together. No, it's Christ. When he speaks again, the whole universe will blow to pieces. Okay? Jesus is the one. Why should he have first place in your life? Why, if we go into your world, in your relationships, in your future, in your happiness, I would tell you this, it's all held together by Christ. He's at the center of all of that. And so he should come to have first place in your life. Okay, number seven. Number seven, number seven, number seven. He is the groom. Jesus is the groom. Verse 18, it says, he is also the head of the body, the church. It's his church. It's not the building. It's, it's the people there. It's his most valuable possession. He leads it. He guides it. He loves it. He purifies it. He died for it. It's the entity that he has left for us to be part of. We're taking part of that right now tonight in the church. I won't go into any more detail for the sake of time, but the church is his. He's the groom. Number eight, he is the guarantee of our salvation. He is the guarantee of our salvation. Verse 18 says that he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. You realize that? Christ is the first and only who has come back from the grave by his own power. A dead man walking. Now, yes, Elijah raised the dead. Jesus brought Lazarus back and Jairus' daughter and some other things. But Jesus Christ, by his own power, went into the grave and came back out. And that is the guarantee, the firstborn. He is the one that's coming back. Okay? And so this is our guarantee. It's the picture of what will happen to us after we die. And he is the, the label, the guarantee of that. As sure as he returned from the dead, so also will we. We will not be left there, but we'll be resurrected as he is. Why? So, so the answer, the question is this. Why should Christ be first place in your life? Because Jesus is Savior. Because Jesus is God. Because Jesus is preeminent. Because Jesus is creator. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is sustainer. Jesus is the groom. And Jesus is the guarantee of our salvation. That's why verse 18 ends by saying, so that he would come to have first place in everything. In every area of life. You can't keep anything back. You have to expose all of it, that deepest, darkest sin, that relationship that you're holding on to, whatever that is, has to be exposed to Jesus Christ so that he would come to have first place. All of life is about him. All of creation, all of history, and all of scripture is about Jesus Christ. He is head, excuse me, he is alpha and omega. He holds the keys of life and death. He is God with us. He is the prince of peace, the good shepherd, the true vine, the great physician, the chief cornerstone, our deliverer, our mediator, our brother, and our friend. He is the captain of our salvation, the resurrection and the life, the author and perfecter of our faith, the Lord of glory, the Lion of Judah, and the great I Am. He came once as humble servant. He, he suffered and died, and he's coming back again as the risen and conquering King of kings and Lord of lords to lead his people home. The Bible is one great story, one theme, one message, and it all revolves around one person, Jesus Christ. And your life should be about one theme, one message, and one great story which should revolve around Jesus Christ. And so this semester, what we're talking about is what is the priority of your life, okay, to draw all this together. We're going to be looking at different aspects of what makes up your existence and looking to see if Jesus Christ is first place in every area. Now let me give you a sampling of our topics and I'm going to be done. Okay, really, I'm, I really am done. It's only 39 minutes. That's amazing. Okay, so here's what we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks. We're going to be looking to see, is Jesus Christ first place in your worship? 
Everybody worships something. Some of you, it's money. Some of you, it's girls. Some of you, it's relationships. Some of you, it's sleep. Some of you, it's your own bodies. Everybody worships something. We're going to be looking at what you worship. We're going to be looking at whether or not Christ is first in your desires, your thoughts, and your emotions. We're going to be looking to see if Christ is first in your relationships, the relationship with parents, with friends, with coworkers, and even with the opposite sex. We're going to be looking to see if Christ is first in your money and your possessions. That is how you make money, how you spend money, how you save money, and how you give it away. We're going to see if Christ is first in our speech. What comes out of our mouth ultimately says a lot about our hearts. We're going to see if Christ is first in our time, how we spend it, and what that says about us. And we're going to see if Christ is first place in our future, submitting all to him both now and as we set up our families and lives for the next step. So I hope you're part of this. I hope you'll come back. This is going to be a great study designed not to walk through a book like we've been doing and exposit straight through something, but to topically look at different areas to see how are you doing. And if you call yourself a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ, then are you willing to put your money where your mouth is and to pursue him and make him first in practical areas of your life? Fair? All right, that's where we're going. Let's pray. We'll sing one more song. We'll wrap this up. Father, thank you for a chance to be here tonight and even to look at this one simple verse that Jesus would come to have first place in every aspect of our lives, in everything. So I pray that even as we set out this semester, that you would be with us, that you would guide us, that you would open our hearts, that we might live not for ourselves, but to see Christ lifted up and exalted in every part of life. Thank you for this word tonight. Thank you for everyone here. We pray that this would impact us and draw us closer to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.